0: Hey everybody! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. I am your host Diane Bondi, and uh, one of my assistants, my helpers, my team members—the people who keep me on task and help me out—had a brilliant idea. Whenever I think about doing podcasts, I always think about interviewing someone else, but she made a point of like, you can just talk about a topic that makes you uh, excited or that you're angry about or that you want to see change in the world. And it just occurred to me, I can do that. I can just have a podcast where we're just chatting about the things that are going on in current events. And st- something that's really been rubbing me the wrong way, which is impacting my sleep and my well being, is like just about everything that's going on in the world. So, um, For full disclosure, I live here in Canada. I live in southwestern Ontario. The closest American city to me is Detroit, just across the pond. I'm waving at you. If I walk down to the end of my street pretty much and walk to the river, you can look over and see Detroit. And if I'm downtown Windsor in the summertime, I can literally see people walking on the street in Detroit. So I feel like uh, America, they're my family. They're my cousins, even though our ideologies are quite different but that seems to be changing as well but uh, a couple of things have come up in the last little bit that I wanted to talk about that I have been talking about on my social media and uh, my team member Nicole says yeah you know what you could talk about this on your podcast and then you can like expand on your feelings I thought okay that makes sense so welcome to my wellness rant I think or my well-being rant if you will Uh, So I hope you're all okay. If you have anything you want me to talk about here on the podcast, anything you want me to rant about, please, 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 please uh, send me an email. Uh, Message me on my socials, Diane Bondi Yoga Official and all my socials. Let me know. Is there something that you want me to to talk about or someone you want me to talk to? Because I love uh, to talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but I have the gift of the gab. So the thing that's been on my mind lately is the rise of the alt right both here in Canada and in America and the support that rise of the alt right is getting from politicians namely the GOP in America and the conservatives here. Used to be when I was a kid, the conservatives here were called the progressive conservatives, which is just like an oxymoron in and of itself. But um, now they're just the conservative party. And we're watching how America's influence within their political structures influences the rest of the world and unfortunately influences Canada. And so what has been on the mind of folks lately is if you haven't been paying attention or you don't know what's going on, really recently there was a leak of a draft from the Supreme Court justices looking to overturn Roe versus Wade. And now Roe versus Wade has been the law of the land since uh, 1973. And for those of you who may not know what um, Roe v. Wade is, it was a landmark decision that was made in 1973 in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects pregnant women's liberty to choose to have an abortion without government restriction. So basically, keeping the government out of your uterus. Okay, this happened January 22nd, uh, uh, 1973, the majority um, ruled that this was going to be the law of the land. And for the past, oh, I don't know, 47 years, maybe longer, 1973, for the last 50 years almost, 49 years, um, everybody's been trying to get this overturned. And when I say everybody, uh, conservative America all right, has been trying to get this overturned, okay? This is a big part of the history of women's rights. And women have been fighting for the right to um, be in charge of their own bodies, have autonomy over their own bodies their whole lives. And I just remembered when I learned that as a woman, I didn't have autonomy over my own body, that we were supposed to be here as a accessory for a man. I was raised very much in that um idea. My mother I think didn't feel complete unless she was married, unless she had children, unless she had a man on her shoulder, which which is actually really ironic because my parents got divorced in 1994 and she has been single ever since. I she attached her her wagon to a star that was broken. And, you know, because of this need to be married and have children, she's from the silent generation. My mother is turning 80 this year. She was raised to believe that all of her value was aligned within a man. And then she chose a man that couldn't care less about that and used her and, uh, subsequently she suffered a lot in that marriage and it's unfortunate and then I was taught the same kind of thing that we were listening to men that men make all the decisions and from the complete get-go when I had heard that I was just like wait a minute this can't be right I'm a human being why do I have to default to what a man thinks and my dad tried very very hard to keep me in line to keep his thumb on me to keep me from speaking out through, you know, abuse and beatings and all that stuff. But surprisingly enough, that did not stop me. That did not stop my need to be my own person. So there was many a fight between my dad and myself around my own liberty, my around my own ability to see the world as I want to see it, to participate in the world, to speak up. Uh, my dad constantly told me as a kid that I had a big mouth to shut up because I would always be speaking out about things that I thought were inequitable. So it's just, I think, within my DNA, for those of you who don't know, uh, like I said, I'm Canadian, but both my parents are from Barbados, the island nation of Barbados. You might know our national hero, uh, Rihanna, and she seems to be the same kind of person as I am. We like to speak truth to power. We like to change the way things are done. And we are not interested in being told what to do or what we can and cannot think and what we can and cannot do. So once I understood um, about abortion and what that meant uh, for women's reproductive rights, I was all about it. So I was about 16. Prior to that, my mother had, um, had me believe that, you know, it was wrong and, um, that we shouldn't be doing this and that somewhere in the Bible it said this was wrong. And quite frankly, nowhere in the Bible does it say it's wrong. Besides the fact, if you're not Christian, which I don't claim to be a Christian, um, the Bible, what the Bible says shouldn't be allowed to take your rights away, right? There's there's a lot of things that the Bible says that makes absolutely no sense that people wanna quote. And, you know, excuses for slavery, excuses for um, domestic violence, excuses for a lot of things we can pull directly from that book. And that book is an interpretation or a group of stories that were written at a time when this was the law or when this is what we believe, and that really hasn't really evolved to move with the times, I'm sure you can pull verses and scripture and stories from the Bible and apply it to present day uh, in a way that's progressive. But a lot of times when people are quoting in order to support any kind of racism or support any kind of sexism, or you know support this idea of uh, folks being unequal due to their skin color, their race, their religion, their gender. We seem to sp- pull specific verses out of the Bible and use them as though they are the gospel and the truth, when in all actuality it's a group of stories written at a time uh, where this was the way the culture was, and as we are well aware, the culture shifts quite frequently. And I'm not disparaging, um, Christians or the Bible. You are welcome to practice whatever religion you like and to believe in whatever religion you like. And I believe in fighting for your rights, um, to, to have, your freedom of religion, but I don't believe that your freedom of religion means you now get to press push that religion on anybody else. Your freedom of your religion is for you to believe and for you to follow, and I will certainly fight for your right to do that, but I'm not a fan of you then now turning around and forcing that religion onto others. That's not how this works. And so- I want to make it really clear that the places where the Bible criticizes relationships in humanity is not around homosexuality and not around abortion, but strangely enough, around divorce. And I think it's interesting how we like to pick and choose what we want to um, take from the Bible as long as it fits with our own individual narrative. So that's a long winded story about how I feel about that. But with Roe, the Roe v. Wade decision in the Supreme Court declares that the Constitution protects a woman's right to terminate an early pregnancy, thus making abortion legal in the United States. Now, here in 2022, um, the GOP, which I'm not really sure what the end game with them is, although I do believe I know what the end game with them is is pretty much Handmaid's Tale, as far as I can tell. Um, The opinion written by Justice Alito was that women need to be forced to have babies, and of course I'm paraphrasing here, to have the domestic availability or supply of babies available for those folks who want to adopt. Can you believe that? If that doesn't sound like the Handmaid's Tale, I don't know what does. This is what is actually happening now that we can arbitrarily remove women's rights to control their own bodies because we need a more supply of domestic babies and you know that's all coded language right we know that that's all coded language that the majority of folks who are getting abortions are white women yes But the folks that will be really hurt by this ruling will be folks of color, right? Trans folks, folks of color. These are the people who are going to be hurt most by the overturning of Roe v. Wade because rich, cisgender, white women will always have access to abortion. And those who need abortion care will no longer have access or will have to travel far to get access or have to pay big money to get access. Abortion rights are health care rights, okay? Did you know that 25% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage? So the body aborts babies all the time. This is a natural progression of our bodies. Now, you may not individually believe in abortion. You might have your feelings about abortion is wrong, and you are welcome to have those feelings. And if abortion is wrong to you, then don't have an abortion, right? If that's a personal thing, the same way that some folks don't like to watch certain movies because it makes them upset, it doesn't mean you get to stop other people from watching those movies because you don't believe in them. You don't get to push that value on other folks, right? Some of us believe consuming alcohol is absolutely wrong. Does that mean we get to stop other folks from consuming alcohol? Or for those of you, like I said, live here in Canada where cannabis is legal and literally a pot store on every corner... And if you are highly against cannabis, highly against it, you think it's wrong, 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 wrong. But it is the law of the land that if you want it, you can buy it. Do you have the right to tell other people who may use cannabis as a way to relieve their pain and their suffering that they can't use it because you deem it's wrong? Does that make any sense at all? You got to think about that right? 70% of the country in the United States deems abortion should be legal and an essential part of healthcare. And unfortunately, this abortion is deemed as a woman's issue, even though it takes a penis to get pregnant, and we don't seem to want to ever regulate those. Um, but it becomes a woman's problem because she is the one who has to figure out how to get access to a safe therapeutic abortion. She's the one who has to figure out if she wants to go ahead with this pregnancy. She's the one who has to go through all of what is necessary to have a baby. I have two children, and I will tell you, it is a lot. Carrying a pregnancy to term is hard. And I had relatively, I would say, you know, calm. Um, I had relatively... Uh, no issues with my pregnancies. I didn't have any interventions. I had my babies naturally and I was lucky I had that. I think I was lucky I had that in Canada because we know maternal health care for women of color and black women in particular in the United States is not good that black women die disproportionately to black or to white women during the childbirth process. They do not have access to the same healthcare. I mean, we saw it with superstar Serena Williams not being believed when she was having trouble with her birth, right? If somebody as famous and as popular and as well-known as Serena Williams suffers racism in healthcare, because she's got the best of the best. There's no hope for the rest of us who are dealing with a system that is inherently biased against Black women and has proven with statistics um, how Black women fare in the delivery room. I think there is a um, lawsuit going out right now um, around a woman who died in the delivery room um, went in a healthy black woman to deliver a baby and came out. The um, dead did not come out, so we know that's the case. So add that to the fact that women will no longer to be able to get a an abortion if they need it. We just increase the rate of maternal mortality for black women. So. In February of 2021, uh, the Heart and Stroke Association put out a piece on why Black women are less likely to survive pregnancy and what is not being done about it. Okay. Um, black women were three are three times more likely than Hispanic women uh, and 2.5 times more likely than white women to die from causes linked to pregnancy. According for the, according to the Centers for Disease Control, this is data from 2018. These statistics suggest that every for every 100,000 live births, 37 black women died while pregnant or within six weeks of pregnancy compared to 12 Hispanic women and 15 white women. This is prior to the pandemic, obviously. We don't invest in black and brown folks in any country, whether it's Canada or America. We have an issue with indigenous folks dying in waiting rooms because of systemic racism here in Canada. And if you think Canada is this safe haven where there's no racism and we have socialized medicine and everybody gets equity of care. I'm going to burst your bubble right here as a Canadian born and raised for the last 50 years I've lived in Canada, 52 years. I keep forgetting I'm actually 52 since the pandemic. And I've had to spend two birthdays or actually three birthdays, um, in, uh, In a pandemic, I just, I seem to be in a holding pattern from like two years ago, right? So this is something that is incredible because we're not biologically different. There is no black gene that makes childbirth more difficult for black women, right? It is the level of care, okay? For black women, according to the Association of Black Cardiologists, Which convened last June. Um, there is a number of disparities in the way that healthcare is considered for Black folks, right? And maternal Black folks. We have a, you know, we have chronic stress as Black people walking around the world wondering if we're going to be interfered with for simply existing, for walking through Walmart, for playing in a park, for barbecuing. So there's this, heightened awareness of black people constant being, be constantly being in fight or flight, right? And then there's this whole idea of the strong black woman phenomenon that we have to power through things, right? We, we have to, you know, we can withstand anything. So people are less likely to help us out when we are struggling because of this, uh, pre existing idea. And we've had to be strong and, and advocate for ourselves because nobody else is willing to do it. Or if they know about the statistics, they don't care enough about black folks. Even though we built the countries that we live in, black and brown folks and indigenous folks, we are the most disposable people in our culture the most disposable, the less, the least respected. We're too loud, we're too this, we're too that, we're too the other thing. But if you need help with something, God knows you'll come running to us. And it's our loudness and our ability to stand up and organize that you love when it's going to serve you and then quickly throw it away when it's not. So how is Roe v. Wade being overturned going to affect black women? It's going to put them at a greater disadvantage, right? It's going to push more folks into poverty. It's going to take women's rights away to have autonomy over their own bodies. And I want you to think about this. When we start with this, what is next, right? Will it be an attack on gay marriage coming up next? Because it seems to me that the... GOP or the right leaning politician wants to take us back. And, you know, I took a political science degree when I went to the University of Windsor back in the 90s. And one of the first things I learned, I'm just going to assume that my professor was um, a liberal here in Canada. There's the liberals. For obvious reason, there's the conservatives, you can figure that out. And then there's the new Democratic Party. So the new Democratic Party and the Green Party are the most left leaning parties. Uh, Of course, the conservatives are the right leaning parties. And I would say um, the liberals kind of govern from the middle, leaning more toward the left, right? I find, depending on who you have in office, they, they tend to govern from the, the middle, more or less, more left-leaning, though, right? And so it seems to me that we see this rise of this alt-right-wing perspective, and the first thing we tamp down on is historically um, excluded populations, and we re-investigate uh, or revive our hate of women for whatever reasons, right? That we want to roll things back. And like I was saying, my professor in university said to me, conservatives want things to stay the same, status quo, because it's always worked for them and it makes sense for them, status quo, right? NDP... And liberals are actually interested in change. And we actually saw that when our prime minister first came into office back in 2015, when cabinet ministers, for the first time in the history of Canada, were equal men and women, right? And then everybody in the news was asking, ooh, wow, well, should we be allowing uh, women to hold a cabinet post where there are uh, no qualified men? Nobody asks if well, there's any qualified women. At the time, the prime minister said it was 2015. It's time for government to represent the people that they govern. And that also means that we have people that look like us sitting in seats of power. So that things like this Supreme Court ruling does not take over people's rights to have autonomy over anything, whether they want to get married, whether... They want to have the right to vote. I mean, this is an intensely dangerous power grab. And the fact that this draft was leaked, I think is, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so don't get, you know, don't get me wrong, but it seems suspicious to me, right? It seems like this is one of the ways we wear people down by leaking this brief and we knew it was going to happen. Mitch McConnell denied Barack Obama's ability to appoint someone to the Supreme Court and mentioned it was one of the highlights of his political career was to keep the first black president from putting someone on the Supreme Court. And Merrick Garland is about as middle of the road as you can get. Okay. He would have been a perfect appointment to the Supreme Court instead of they who should not be named, uh, Brett, well, I'll just name them Brett Kavanaugh the um, sexual predator, and then Amy Barrett Cohen, which is uh, a, relig- a religious zealot, right? So it was always the intention of the GOP to steal the highest court in the land so that they could, they've been trying to overturn Roe v. Wade forever, right? Just because you overturn abortion rights for women doesn't mean that abortions are not going to happen, and I think it was interesting, our NDP leader, Jameet Singh, who I may or may not have a small crush on, um, made a comment that he, we will keep abortion rights safe and free here for women in Canada. But can you actually guarantee that? You can only guarantee that as long as the liberal or a left-leaning government is in power because let's let's not let's not pretend that the conservative government here in canada isn't leaning toward what we're seeing in america that rise of the alt-right that authoritarianism that fascist because where america goes canada follows and i say that because quite recently. In a city not too far from where I live, somebody was flying a Confederate flag on their front lawn from their house in Hamilton, Ontario. Actually, Bimbrook, which is in the Peel region of Ontario, which has a lot of problems in and of itself, Okay, where my mother lives. My mother lives in that region. My brother and his wife live in that region. Flying a Confederate flag. The thing that really makes me, I don't know, upset is that people don't understand what the Confederate flag stands for. And it's long and sordid history here in Canada, because it's not our history, the Confederate flag. It's the history of the Americas. We didn't do the Civil War here. And literally, it's the flag of the losers, the folks who lost the civil war. It only resurfaced at the time that folks were looking for civil rights. When black people were marching for their civil rights, did we start seeing that flag reemerge, reemerge and seeing those statues of Confederate soldiers reemerge to remind folks that we're in charge here and you will sit down and be quiet. That we're ruling here. It's always that rotation of that alt-right that wants to take things back 50 years ago. That has no interest in fighting for everyday people. And has all the interest in elevating the very wealthy. In keeping us worker bees under their thumb and forcing women to have babies they don't want is a dangerous, slippery slope because it opens the door to unroll other human rights. And I've named them, right? The right to same-sex marriage. Quite frankly, if you look at the makeup of the legislature here in Canada, in Europe, and in America, the majority of people who are in service are white men those are the folks who are running the government and they're incredibly rich white men they're not working class dudes so if they hold the majority of power within the parties is it theoretical that if they all got together and voted that they could overturn women's right to vote welcome to gilead right I had somebody ask me if I had ever read A Handmaid's Tale. And when I was in uh, grade 12, we had to read, it was 50-50. We had to read 50% Canadian authors and 50% American authors. So John Steinbeck was one of the authors you could read. Margaret Atwood, which who wrote The Handmaid's Tale, Margaret Lawrence. Um, there was a bunch of Canadian authors and American authors that we could choose from. And I read Handmaid's Tale when I was 17 years old. And it seemed as far fetched as as it could get. I just was like, "Wow, this would be scary if the world would if this happened in the world." And here we are seeing it creep in because in America, we're seeing the the GOP banning books, including A Handmaid's Tale, because they don't want you to know that that's the playbook they're playing from. They're banning books on teaching about racism. They're banning books on teaching about. The Holocaust, they're banning books that, <laughs> that teach us about our humanity, that take us backwards. And the leaking of this brief, as I was saying before, I think is intentional. So that they can wear us out with our protesting where we'll get tired and then we'll think it's a foregone conclusion and we will give up. So if we leak this brief early, we'll get everybody upset about it, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They'll protest in the street. We get that all out of the way. And when we've warmed them down, they will pass it because they will learn it's inevitable. But we have to keep fighting. Because this is dangerous and it's a slippery slope. And it's a part of our intentional well-being to allow folks to have autonomy over their bodies. This is a slippery slope. This is the first domino to fall that could end up with us losing our rights to vote. Losing our rights to love who we love or marry who we want to marry. This is scary and exhausting, and it is part of our intentional well-being to strategize how are we going to come together to make sure this doesn't happen. And the very first thing is you have to vote. I know they make it impossible for everybody to vote in the United States. That's on purpose, they're wearing you down. Of course they don't want you to vote because you're gonna vote, hopefully, in your own best interest, Unless you're part of the GOP, which you like to not vote in your own best interests. I don't understand that at all. I don't know, especially GOP women, why would you not vote for your own best interests? Why would you want your rights taken away from you? Why would you want to be reinstated as your husband's property? Honestly, is that what you want for yourself and your daughters and your children? To have no rights to their own bodies, to not be able to vote, to not be able to become the people they want to be? For what exactly? What's the end game here? I don't get it. Our intentional well-being starts with, as my friend Anna Harris-Paris says, strategic self-care. So let's not become completely burnt out on our protesting and let's Figure out where we strategically need to protest and who we need to elect into office via our uh, free and fair elections in order for this not to happen. The majority of people in America and in Canada, for that matter, support safe abortion. Few people do not. The minority Do not support that. And the minority cannot rule the majority. That's not how it's set up. That's not how it should be. And it's quickly becoming that. We need to pay attention. Every election, I hear people say, your vote is so important. Now is the time. This is the one that will make the change. It's every time you go to the ballot box. Of course, people have died for your right to vote. Please do not take it for granted. If you believe in your personal freedoms and autonomy over your body and if you believe the, the your neighbors and the people that you love also deserve that then do what is right get your rest get together and stay the course It can be very easy to get burnt out on everything that's going on in the world very easy But with strategic self-care and well-being and looking out for each other, which is what our yoga texts tell us, looking out for each other, being intentional with our energy, we can push back. We must push back because when this domino falls, many others will fall behind it. And if you think, well, you know what, I'm not a woman, this doesn't really affect me, it does. I'm not black, this doesn't really affect me. Where will it stop? When we've discriminated all against all the groups that don't affect you personally, do you don't think they're going to come for you? Do you honestly think they're not going to come for you? Something to think about. All right. Welcome to my rant on the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts on what I am talking about, your experiences, how you are going to show up in the world to make sure everybody's rights are protected, whether you are representative of this group or not, how you are going to contribute to humanity because contributing to humanity directly affects your own well-being. So thank you for tuning into my rant. You can check me out anywhere that podcasts are. You can listen to podcasts anywhere. You can find my podcast. I would love it if you would go on to Apple and rate this podcast, share it with your friends, get a conversation going. Let's do some good in the world. Thank you, everyone, and take care of yourselves. I'll see you next time.